Welcome to uh, the Benzo Rehab Dungeon Religious Deconstruction episode number eight. Uh, these these are really turning out to be more about spirituality and then personal anecdotal sort of stuff than um, religious deconstruction necessarily. Um, I think that's that's probably a good thing. No, it is. It is. You, yeah. Yeah, you want to avoid being one of those like uh, angry over Star Wars YouTube atheists. Definitely, and and that's <laughs> you know? that's part of why I started the series. Atheist. You're right. <laughs> Definitely part of why I started the series was uh, you know talking about uh, religion in in a way that you know rejects the notion of structured religion, but also um, doesn't dismiss spirituality writ large, um, and also you know understanding the the human element of uh spirituality and and that we need it you know um just not christianity or you know any other structured religion especially the abrahamic religions excuse me i'm a gnostic so i agree <laughs> and disagree okay well that, i'm not sure that <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure i said anything you should agree or disagree with but uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so, you know, there's, uh, I kind of wanted to have this discussion and I'm glad that you were able to join us today, uh, Danko, Dorian, whichever you're going by today, um, (laughs) because, uh, you know, you, you and I, we, we lost a friend, uh, this last week, um, and it, and it's kind of affected us pretty hard, I think. And, you know, this, this also being so close, my birthday is today. And so, you know, I've been doing a lot of ruminating and thinking about, uh, life and death and, and grief and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, happy birthday, Mike. Thank you. Yes. Happiest of birthdays. It's, it's weird, uh, that this is, is one of the, uh, the first birthdays I think I've had in a long time where I wasn't like existential about, uh, another year. Um, yeah. So. Well, I was uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, I think all of us are uh, in bad physical straits right now. I think everyone on the podcast right now is uh, has some kind of hangover. Yes, uh, but <laughs> I had spiritual spiritual hangover. Spiritual certainly, <laughs> but yeah, I, I had a long conversation with a friend of mine I hadn't seen in years last night, um, and a lot of it was about this kind of stuff because he also he's in he's in town for a week. Mm. uh and uh and <clears throat> yeah we one of one of the things that we were talking about is uh how at, at a certain point um the the thing about grieving is, is it's different every time for everyone um but at, at a certain point a certain type of grief will just erase all of your other problems <laughs> oh no, right? that's very true yeah um, I think, yeah, that, I think that's very true. Good and bad ways. Uh, I mean, it's never ultimately good, I guess. But. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I posted some kind of sad, depressive stuff on the uh, the Instagram, you know, uh, when, when I learned about the passing of our friend. 
and yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, you, you you had reached out to me because because we're bros, and you, you and you asked if I was okay, and you know, really, I that was probably the the least uh like nobody should through various periods of my life people should have been very worried about me um yeah and and in that moment when you messaged me i was just like no i'm just i'm just sad i'm not like in a position where i'm like going to do something bad to myself out of the sadness or anything like that i just feel sad and you know it, it makes me more than anything want to keep existing because i'm seeing you know you know the the effect that that our friends passing has had on on so many people that we know because you know the the community that we belong to uh, is kind of a tight-knit community um and uh you know just you know th- these are people that we you know nominally just kind of like shit post with every day uh but you know out of out of those shit posts you know we've come to to love these people and and appreciate their humor and their you know their candor and and you know their their honesty about uh about life and and you know all the things that you know we talk about um so yeah i, I think i think there is a there is a point where you know so much grief can can put you and maybe uh it, it just erases the rest of your problems um like that um and then you know like this this process of grieving has been much different for me than than previous times where you know maybe i've tried to ignore uh you know the pain that i'm feeling and instead this time i i let myself really feel that pain and really just kind of go through the process of genuinely exploring my my feelings and you know letting myself be angry at the situation and and still loving of you know uh loving of all the people that i have in my life you know um and and i'm very grateful for all the people i have in my life uh and yeah i don't, I don't know um I think you know on on the subject of grieving I, I think especially in America and I'm not sure if this is true for you know other parts of the world but it seems like we we never give ourselves time to grieve um and most most of what we do is we find something to distract us from that grief from you know the the experience that we're having you know we I feel sad, so I'm going to do X instead of, you know, letting myself sit in that sadness and feel that sadness. Um, I don't know if you guys have any any thoughts about that that you'd like to share. Yeah. Go on, Jerry. Well, so, I mean, I think, I think that's true. And I think, you know, um, it's unfortunate that the extent to which we do allow ourselves nominally to kind of sit with those feelings oftentimes are you know localized to the wake the funeral that the whatever the reception whatever you know um and even then it is i would i would i would hazard to guess that this is probably an issue specific to christianity i don't I don't know too much about what it would be like, you know, for Jews sitting Shiva or, or Muslims practicing their funereal rites. But I think 
the kind of community that is convened around grieving uh, in Christian in in those in those situations is it, it's not it's not really about grief. It's like this weird kind of like there's a commemoration of that person, but it's not so much. There is, I think still some sort of taboo or, or something against actually like sort of effusively fully expressing and feeling that grief in those situations, because paradoxically it's like you're, uh, like you're supposed to be happy almost like you're supposed to like be remembering the good times or something, which is odd. You know, it's, yeah. if someone is, if someone is gone, you should be able to really fully express and feel that void. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, awake is for the living, right? It's, it's, I mean, that's the old adage. But uh, it's it's important to keep in mind that, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, celebrating their life and everything, great, sure. Um, that's something that should be done. But in the end, yeah, I, I, I agree that it's it's something that we that we focus on that kind of thing out of like a culture of toxic positivity, but also out of just. Uh, needing to avoid our own grief because grief is, uh, I mean, obviously painful, also makes you inefficient. And if you've ever been around someone or if you've been someone that's grieving um, around someone who isn't, right? Uh, if you've been in any one of these positions, it is extremely difficult to have any lines of communication. And people will deny their own grief as well, right? So at a funeral, maybe 20% of the people there are actually grieving. You know, that's the number I pulled out of my ass. But a lot of the rest of them, though they should be grieving, though they should be mourning, are really kind of pushing a lot of it down uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I've certainly been there. Um, but if you see someone grieving, um, it can it can make you feel um at the very least a kind of frustration right mm -hmm. because it seems irrational it seems uh oftentimes overreactive uh as long as you don't think too hard about it <laughs> um it it's it's and it just gets in the way of, of of everything and so yeah there's always this this weird pressure from all sorts of directions to not grieve because it's an inconvenience um, yeah, and it's yeah, it's nice. Well, and and I think you know when when people see other people grieving, or any time that that somebody's you know sad or or feeling hurt or anything like that, there's this response in people to try to fix it. Yeah, and you know, oftentimes grief isn't a thing that needs to be fixed. It's it's a part of, right? You know, and and this this plays into a larger conversation about things like depression and and whatnot, where, you know, um, that and and I'm not against therapy, but there's been plenty of times in my life where I've been told, hey, you need to go to therapy because you're like obviously depressed, and then you know when I'm like. Yeah, my my job is like horrible. 
I'm not making enough money to live sort of stuff. I should be depressed in this moment because of that. Um, and I, and I think, you know, when, when you see people grieving, uh, in our, in our culture, there seems to be this, uh, this notion that you're supposed to fix whatever's hurting that person. And when you're, when you're trying to fix something, you know, like our, our friend is gone and, and, and he can't be brought back. Um, and there's, there's nothing you can do to fix that situation, and anything that you try to do in in the attempt to fix, you know, the sadness and the sorrow and the grief that we're feeling, and 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 this isn't you know to shit on anybody or or call anybody out, but but um, you know, it, because people mean well when they do this, yeah. But it's it, you're, but you're then trying. It becomes more. It becomes more about that about the fixer than it does about the person who is absolutely absolutely and and you you can't fix something like this and it's something that you have to allow yourself to process and and you know kind of uh work your way through yeah i think my my perspective is i think the the greatest thing that someone could do is simply just to kind of you know uh bear witness you know um because yeah i just i i yeah the especially being in that position like whether it's mental health more generally or uh like a specific instance of of grieving or mourning and and being kind of imposed upon to fix yourself or pull your pull yourself up by your bootstraps is is insult to injury really i mean you know it's it's and it's not, it's, it's genuinely like 99% of the time, it's not malicious, but I think Dorian, I think you're right. There is a sort of, uh, uh, negative reaction to a negative feeling or negative emotional state where it's like, it's, a, it's, it's annoying sometimes yeah. to be around that. It's mm-hmm. frustrating. It's, a, I think you use the word frustrating, but it's, it's like annoying to me is more pointed because it's like, mm. ugh, like, I don't want to be, you know what I mean? Like, it's right. like, and I'm not, I'm not going to say like, I've, I've always been like, Oh, like, let me hold space for you. Like sometimes I am like fucking just, you know, power through, like, get, I don't want to hear about this shit. Like I've, yeah. I've got shit in my personal life right now where I've, have like gradually cut a, a couple people off recently or not out, but cut off. Cause I'm just like, I, it's the same shit and it's, but it is some, the thing is it's something that's fixable. Whereas this yeah. obviously is a sort of uh, non ameliorable situation. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, and grief is, is something that, is inherently paradoxical, right? And we we talked about this during the open workshop that we did most recently uh, on melancholy. And uh, grief is is something that is is about recursion, right? So something is lost and you bring it back and then you feel love for it. And the love is something that's painful which induces the loss again, which induces the bringing back. And so it's just this constant losing and regaining and and needing to not lose and needing to not lose because it's lost and loving because it's not present and all of these different things coming together. 
And so it's not something that can be fixed. And in fact, fixing any one of these pieces ends up throwing everything into disarray, right? Like you don't want to stop loving. Right. And you don't want to stop loving someone you're grieving for, right? Right. And you can't stop grieving for someone that you love. Uh, And so it's this real, um, yeah, it's it's a mess that can't really be, uh, be be sorted out efficiently. It just needs to eventually kind of wind its way into being processed somewhere in the background of your psyche, I guess. Um, and so all that you can do is give it time. Uh, and a lot of these things, I mean, I don't... And, and any grief that I've had that has uh, uh, culminated in, in real grief rather than being like, oh, that sucks, um, has always been something that... Uh, at the very most just goes in the background for a while. Like these things always come back in one form or another. Um, And so it's just, when you're dealing with someone that's grieving, you just kind of have to, uh, yeah, like you said, hold space for them, but also acknowledge that uh, it's probably come back. Like it's never gone forever. Uh, Yeah, I I had a a girlfriend years ago. Uh, I I had uh, last a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. This guy <laughs> no <fun>. longer. How? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, can I, smell, can I smell your fingers, bro? <laughs> You'd smell my hair. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, she. Uh, I just lost someone. It had it'd been about a week, and she ended up asking me. And this is something that's happened multiple times because it is fucking annoying. And so I'm not like really blaming her, but but I was just like, I, yeah, I'm just still really bummed. And she's like, when are you gonna get over it? And it's like. Probably never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never, but, you know, certainly not yet. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it, if the, yeah, if the grief is enough in intensity, then it's sort of an interminable wound. I mean, it, it, like you're saying, it is this kind of feedback loop of, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's emotionally picking a scab. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but the, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think, but then I'll, I mean, I obviously I wasn't in the workshop, but I mean, that is the problem though, is that if, if the, if the intensity of the grief remains constant rather than being kind of shuffled into the lower reaches of, of the psyche, then, um, then it does form that melancholic loop where it, at that point, it's sort of restructuring, restructuring psychic and cognitive patterns and structures, and such that you know you, you are rather than running on um, just general sort of unqualified uh, psychic force, you're running on needing that specific um, inflected bad force you know um i think yeah and i I think like the the inability or like what you're what you're saying like is if if the intensity of that grief remains the same i think that's that's kind of a byproduct of of when we ignore grief when we Mm -hmm. don't allow that part of ourselves to express itself fully or we we keep pushing that away then then you know we're we're not allowing our you know the the grief is real and and we feel these things for for real reasons 
And if we try it, and it's just like any other, you know, biological aspect of our bodies. If you hold your, your piss forever, you're going yeah. to eventually either, you know, piss yourself or it's going to get so intolerable that you, you break down and, and you go to the bathroom, whatever. Right. But you know, this your bladder this, explodes, your bladder explodes, you, whatever. Yeah, but if, you hold your, if you hold your poops and you can have a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you, you know, it'll impact. Um, <laughs> not, not to, not to vulgarize this concept, but, but, hey, man, it, but you, I, you, you invited me on. It was going to go to, no, I know. And, and I, and I just brought up piss. So, you know, that's, that's on yeah. me. Um, should I bring up cum? <laughs> yeah. Piss and cum. Oh, and and if you, if you never yeah. clear out the <laughs> pipes, <laughs> then, you know, there's, <laughs> then you have a, you have a grief wet dream and you wake up weeping, but you know, something. just, just, I'm going to become a shooter. <laughs> <laughs> The, the grief that we feel is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's part of a biological process to some degree where, you know, if it's something that we try to ignore and we don't let ourselves, uh, express and, and, you know, we don't vent that grief a, in the proper way, then it's just something that builds up in us and, and, uh, will, will necessarily come out in a harmful or explosive way, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and without going into too much of a needless tangent on capitalism, but I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm i not going to be able to make the, the funeral for a friend. Um, he was in Texas. I'm in California. My economic situation over the last year has been pretty hit or miss uh, with, with, you know, taking a pay cut for uh, COVID-19 budgetary reasons, et cetera, et cetera. And, and since I work for a public agency, there, there is some legitimate legitimacy to that, um, you know, kind of revenue hit that we took. Um, it's, it's not like all these companies that are like seeing huge amounts of, you know, profit gains and then also firing people because of COVID-19. Um, but you know, whatever, but you know, like, the, the the economic strain that I have on me right now is preventing me from from you know what what traditionally is the method of of grieving, which is you know going to the funeral, laying laying a person to rest, etc. And and I think you know um, we we wouldn't be covering this subject fully if we didn't mention that you know people's economic situations play so much into our inability to properly process grief. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. And I mean, certainly plays into uh, the mental health issues that often lead to something like, you know, uh, either just stress damaging your body or someone committing suicide or, or whatnot uh, is all certainly related. Uh, yeah. And then having to like hide these things so you can be an efficient worker. And, yeah. Right. This sort of compulsory positivity. Yeah. You know, Right. remaining uh plugged in because i mean if you're yeah. in the in the sense in the sense of like depression like thinking of like a more like kind of comatose depression where you're uh in bed with the with the shutters drawn you know like as an extreme like a person like that can't be reached they can't be made to work produce communicate you're sort of just a black hole um like a self-enclosed kind of 
non-productive node in the in the the network right Um, yeah and and you know a little bit further on that point as well um you know we we've been posting the fundraiser for for our friend's family because you know they've they've gone through the traumatic event of of losing a husband and father and now you know the the demand that they have on them to to have finances uh you know to have money to pay for you know food clothing housing uh, bills etc you know that that demand hasn't gone away in recognition of what they just lost yeah. it's it's still right. a pressure that pushes down on them and and you know again does not allow them that time to properly grieve uh to 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 fully express you know the the feelings that they're having for what they've lost um, and it also, I mean, it, it, this is sort of like a removed, but it, it also speaks to the, I mean, the economic pressure to arrange yourself in a specific familial structure too, right? Like yeah. that in, in a very sort of mundane way of, you know, tax cuts for married people or, you know, claiming dependents, et cetera, you know, there are, those are sort of positive reinforcements to arrange yourself in a family unit. But then there is also this sort of unfortunate uh, negative um, enforcement of, you know, essentially being down a member of the team. um, But having that, still having that same sort of lifestyle uh, threshold or baseline. Um, and I mean, the, the unfortunate, and I, obviously I'm speaking generally here because I don't know this, obviously the specifics of the, this individual and, and the family, but I mean, in general, that you know, it's such a gendered thing of, you know, if mm-hmm. it's the man mm-hmm. who is suddenly out of the picture for whatever reason, then there's a incredible amount of institutional and kind of cultural barriers to that, that woman having to be both mother and breadwinner all of a sudden. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not like America has spent the last a uh, hundred years, you know, championing the nuclear family, um, <laughs> <laughs> specifically right. building this model that that you know the the father is supposed to be in this position and you know also putting putting you know basic survival's burden on um you know the the idea of the breadwinner and and obviously we we know that that's a failed concept because more often than not both mother and father have to work nowadays because uh wages are bad right. etc um yeah yeah i mean yeah um shoot i kind of lost my train of thought i think <laughs> so yeah uh, did is there anything else that maybe we want to touch on specifically um i don't know i, th- I think we did a pretty good job of covering this in a, in a short amount of time uh, yeah and i'm gonna be honest i uh yeah, you do. You do have to. Eat. This whole time. Yeah, you do have a heart out too. So, 
I do also, but yeah, you know, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think we will call it here unless somebody has something that they really want to say. I think I got most of Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I, th- I think the, the flip side of obviously that sort of um, potential melancholic relationship to the lost person, you know, the, that constant kind of feedback of remembering the love or the feeling, remembering the person that incites that feeling, you know, it, the, there is a positive flip side or silver lining to that. Like, um, I, in the sense that the memory of that person in their absence, um, and I think this is, I think this is probably would be particular to someone who is deceased rather than a lost love per se. Um, they sort of, I, I would hope that they sort of attain a kind of like, I don't know, like sainthood, I guess, in memory, like not in the sense of sort of whitewashing any of their flaws or whatever, but in the sense that, you know, they kind of, um, there's like a, a, a eternal sort of state that they have in memory, in a collective memory, because, you know, uh, we're, we're social animals. So, you know, that, that memory is a, in that, I mean, that is the beauty of of a wake or or whatever, sort of a a homegoing ceremony or whatever, um, where you can kind of, uh, get that collective, um, affect or whatever you want to call it um but yeah i don't know i think it's it's i I think oftentimes too it's so down to the specific circumstances yeah so absolutely yeah yeah take care of your friends and loved ones yep Yep. (laughs) agreed all right well uh thank you very much for your time today um Thank you, sir. Both, both of you who have joined me on this and, and also uh, whoever listens to it. Uh, I hope um, my, my birthday wish uh, is that both of you have very good days. And if you don't have a good day, you're literally uh, shitting all over my birthday wish. So I'm going to go and have a bad day just, <laughs> just to spite me. <laughs> yeah, I'm asleep for it. Well, uh, I love you both very much. And. Uh, Ditto, thank you brother. thank you and uh, yeah. we will uh, we will do this another time all right take care all right.